So we've been talking about healing. Let's jump in this morning. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Healing can be yours. Say healing, healing. Is, mine. is mine in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. We said these things, uh, each one. I want you to say them with me. They're on your handout there. It says, I may have come in here one way, but I'm leaving healed. Now let me pause. Uh, why, why do we say these things? Why, why would we say this out of our mouth? Because some people would say, well, that just sounds weird. The Bible shows so many times that, and it says it in the Old Testament and the New, and it says this, uh, I speak because I believe. Yeah. I believed and therefore I spoke. That's what it says in the King James. I believed and therefore I spoke. It shows where Abraham, in uh, I believe it's Romans chapter 4, uh, it shows where Abraham believed and so he, he did the same thing that God did. He confessed what he believed. Even God confessed what he believed and we're made in his image. You don't have things. The, the creation power of God comes by us speaking the things of God. When we meditate on the word and speak it. Remember in uh, Proverbs it says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then in Deuteronomy it says choose between this. Choose this day between death and life. Well, how do we choose between death and life? By what we say. So we're declaring that we're not going out the same way today as what we came in. We're, we're going out at a higher place in our health. We're going out at a higher place in our rest. We're going out in a higher place in our peace. We're going out in a higher place in our joy. This is, and, and look, what does this do to your flesh? Your flesh is like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like this. I wasn't asking your flesh. I'm consulting the word. That's where humility comes in. Humility comes in when we say, all right, Lord, I want what you say over what I feel. Humility says, I want what you say over what I feel. This is the reality that the world's looking for. They're looking for something real, but they don't have it because so many Christians won't humble themselves. They just keep running by their flesh and not by what the word says. And that's the issue. That's where it gets real. That's where the rubber meets the road because they're committed to the things of God. And it may look funny to other people, but it gets results. Like that, uh, the lady I was talking about earlier that got prayer. It may look funny to some people, yet that's where results came. There's another, there's another time uh, where Pastor Rodney has said, uh, told this story. I love this story. He said there was a guy, he prayed for him. The guy got knocked out on the floor. I think he was laughing and crying. And I mean, what is that? That's the power of God. I, I heard somebody say, um, it might have been Heidi, uh, might have been Heidi Baker. It, but it, no, 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 it was Catherine Kuhlman. I saw a quote this week. It said, these corrupted bodies are not able to handle the fullness of the power of God. And so why do they knock out? Because they're not able to handle it. They're not able to handle the fullness of that power. Well, that's, that's completely logical. That's understandable. Get around an all-powerful, all-holy God. I mean, get to that place with a corrupted body. There's only so much before this body is like, all right, that's it, I'm, I'm out. Knock out. Right. But anyway, in this in this story with Pastor Rodney, here was this person who was laughing and they were crying under the power of God. The power of God was touching them, sitting on them there. They're knocked out. All of a sudden, 
uh, he meets this guy some years later. He says, Pastor Rodney, I want you to know it was under your ministry that I received my business. My business now does, I think it was 50 million, no. Oh, well, I'll keep it low. I, it was a lot. It was millions and millions, but I, I believe it was higher than this, but it was $50 million business. He said, I received that vision that day that I was on the floor. And that's where a lot of people, they don't want to move into what their brain thinks that's weird, what the world's taught them that's weird. But yet that's where God, when somebody says, you know what, I want you more than I want the other stuff, that's when God moves on them. Because they're responding in this way. I'm going to humble myself to you. I don't care what it looks like. Because you're God, I'm not. I'm going to humble myself. So the reason why we say this is because God said it in his word to confess these things. This is how we choose death and life. There's so many Christians not walking in life because they're not confessing anything. And so that's why we say it. And so let's say this together. I may have come in here one way. I may have come in here one way. But I'm leaving healed. But I'm leaving healed. And I'm taking healing with me. Sickness has no place in me. Even if I'm in perfect health, I'm an ambassador of God. And I have a responsibility to raise my faith for healing for myself and others. These signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And I'm going to hear the word of God today. And faith is going to come. And healing is manifested. Amen. I'm not leaving the same way I came. Amen. Glory to God. Say this with me. Sickness has no place in me. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. It says, and he himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins. That's part one. Say sins. Sins. Bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were, part two, healed. You will notice in the word that a relief of sins and sicknesses almost always go together. Many people separate it. How many people believe that Jesus paid for all sin on that cross? You believe that? All right. How many people believe that he paid for all sickness on the cross? Now see, y'all are in the know. I've been preaching. This is part nine of Healing Can Be Yours. So good job. Y'all been listening. But here's the thing. There's a whole lot of people that don't believe that. Matter of fact, I wasn't even speaking on healing earlier this week. I was ministering at a place and uh, this, uh, this person came up to me and, ooh, they were giving me a fit because I was crossing what they thought. But the problem was every time I'd go to scripture, they'd be like, you're just confusing. I'm like, no, I'm actually just reading you scripture. I'm just reading you scripture. But what they had thought And what they had believed was different from what was written in here. But it's very common in today's atmosphere in America. We have to make sure that we humble ourselves to that word. That word is the standard. It says that he has lifted up his word above his name. 
How high is his name? Man, his word is up there. His word is up there with his name. That's an amazing thing. We have to put that level of priority. Humility in us puts that level of priority on his word. And his word says that on that cross, not only did he bear our sins, but through the stripes he also bore our sicknesses and our infirmities. They go hand in hand. Sickness has no place in us. We've talked about it before. If, you, if you're just joining this Healing Can Be Your series, go back to the beginning because what we did was we kicked over a whole bunch of the sacred cows uh, that a lot of people believe, but they're not in the Bible. And we showed that. And we broke down some of those things uh, that, that people think because of wrong teaching or wrong preaching. And we talked about them. And we got them out right and got them in front. And multiple people said, golly, I've just been taught wrong. And I haven't seen this in the Word. And it's so simple. It's in there. But here's the thing. we got to humble ourselves Amen. to the Word. we got to be of this. Look, if nobody else in this room or in this place or in this country goes after God and trust Him, I will, Lord. I'll trust you. I will humble myself to Him. I'll believe what you say, and I'll take you at your word. And here's what will happen. You do that, you'll also see the power of God. In uh, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, it shows very clearly the steps that Jesus took. He believed on God. He did what the Father said. And when He did that, He said, John says, and many other signs... Did Jesus do that's not written in this book? Many other signs. This was the power of God released. And he says, and we did this and we talked about these signs so that you would believe. So signs led to belief and then belief led to life. Because out of belief, life came. Now, I talked about it. You're welcome to go watch it the other day on Facebook. I did a teaching on following after signs because that's something that Jesus told the Pharisees, don't follow just for a sign. But I, I diagnosed why he said that and how we've actually taken that scripture wrong. It doesn't mean that signs and power shouldn't happen. Actually, the whole word shows us, doesn't it? Jesus also said, these signs will follow them that believe. So there, there's a... There's a catch-22 there that we've created, and I broke that down. This is not the message for that. But my point is, power is supposed to follow believers. Signs are supposed to follow believers. And this power and the signs of God that they walk in, all of a sudden that causes people to, to take notice. Yep. And then that taking notice causes them to believe, and believing leads to eternal life. This is the same uh, formula, basically, that Jesus used, and he, he wants us to do the very same thing. And that's what he said when he said, these signs will follow them that believe. So the power of God is supposed to be normal, right. yet it hasn't been. Healing is supposed to be normal, yet it hasn't been. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And many times when it fails one time, you know, we as a people, honestly, if we're just really honest with ourselves, we don't like failing. And we definitely don't like failing when people know about it. And there's nothing more than when I pray for something that's not out in the public, especially now with Facebook and everywhere else. And I pray and somebody's not healed. That puts pressure on my flesh, right? But does that mean that it's not God's will to heal? 
No, he lays it out very clearly. It's his will to heal. What that means is, I ain't there yet. It's me who's not there yet. It's us who's not there yet. But people don't like acknowledging that. I'm well willing to put it on the table, which is what I've been talking about. All right, look, I'm not there yet. But I'm learning. And I see more people healed than most people do because I step out of the boat. At least Peter did sink, yes, but he also walked on water. He also walked on water. A lot of people get on to Peter, you know, old Peter of little faith. Well, he walked. When's the last time you did? He walked. Like, I mean, you know, run a couple inches in the bathtub. Let's find out where you stand. Let's see. I'm I'm meddling. I need to go back to preaching. Some people are like, amen. (laughs) Let's preach. All right. So now look at Romans 5, 12. I am not a friend of the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion is a killer. That is what killed Jesus. But also the spirit of religion also, it also does this. It kills faith. It kills faith. And you ought to get so aggressive against that spirit of religion that tries to come and settle in you and in your heart and in your mind. You ought to be so aggressive against it. Why? Because it's a killer. The first thing it does is it kills faith, but eventually it becomes a killer of people just like it did to Jesus. And when I sense it, or maybe, see, how many of us have a spirit of religion that's operating and trying to work in us? Don't raise your hand, but the truth be told, all of us. Why? Because it's in the culture. It's in the culture. One of the hardest places to get the word across, one of the hardest places to get the word across is a place where they think they know something about Jesus. It's true. It's true. It's one of the hardest places. America's like that, especially in this area. The Bible Belt. We think we know something about Jesus, and so we're shut down to actually being wrong. Because we feel like if we're wrong, then we're not defending Jesus because we're defending what we know. Whereas humility goes back to the word and it says, okay, we're going to break that down. We're going to give these things to God. You've heard me say it before. I'm willing to throw doctrine away because what's God today will be God tomorrow. And he'll just lead me right back to the same doctrine if it's right. And if he doesn't, then it should have been thrown away anyway. If I don't come back to the same place by diagnosing the full counsel of the word, then what good was that doctrine in the first place? You see? But see, a lot of times we have religion being preached at us and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. It's, it's in this culture. So we have to apply. Are you, are you uh, familiar with the term about positive and negative pressure like air pressure in a room? If, I, if this room is filled up with positive air pressure, you can step outside those doors into, in the cracks of the doors. You will feel a breeze pushing out because there's more air pressure here than is out there. See, if we don't apply positive pressure towards the things of the enemy, isn't our job to resist him, right? 
His job, which we know, is to only steal, kill, and destroy. So he does that by misinformation, deception. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are going into captivity for a lack of understanding. And if we don't put positive pressure back towards that, and we put pressure on uh, the word, so to speak, to perform, and we don't allow it to uh, rise up inside of us and exert an outward pressure on the spirit of religion, it'll push back on us. And our job, remember that... Our job, Jesus came in 1 John 3, 8 to destroy the works of the devil. He said this, he said this to Adam, the missions never changed. He said, take dominion, take rule and dominion, be fruitful and multiply my blessing. That's a positive pressure into the world. Jesus said it like this in the King James, occupy till I come. So if we don't take these things and respond to the commands of God and to the promises and to what he's paid for, we are due to be overrun. But we're supposed to be more than a conqueror. We're supposed to be overcomers. So at some point, there's got to be people that will stand up and push back on these things. This is what we have to do with healing any other promise of God. We got to push back on that spirit of religion where you've had religion tell you, well, sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. That's not true. He says, by his stripes, look at that verse one more time. It says, by his stripes, you were healed. You're not waiting to be healed in the spirit. It's already paid for. All you need is the manifestation of it. But as far as God's concerned, he's already done it. He's already done it. It's already done. By his stripes you were healed. Now, you can choose to look at the physical over the spiritual truth of God. And you will then receive what, you, what is your reality, so to speak. That's exactly what Peter did walking on the water. He stepped out on the word of Jesus, the spiritual word of Jesus to come. And that's what he walked on. It wasn't necessarily the water. It was the spiritual power in the word of Jesus come. But then when he chose to look more at the physical than he did at the spiritual promise, he started to sink. It's the same way with healing. You can decide to look at your symptoms and let those be your reality. Or you can look at the truth that sets you free. Romans five twelve, in the New Living says this. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. So when sin entered the world, the curse came. When sin, because of sin, death came. The wages of sin is death. Because of sin, lack came. A lack of the life of God. If you look at Deuteronomy 28, 61, Deuteronomy 28 lays out the blessings and the curse. When you look at verse 61, he had just got through mentioning all kinds of sickness and diseases that happens under the curse. And then he finishes it in verse 61 by saying, every disease named and unnamed. So in other words, even if we don't have a name for it yet, if it's a sickness and disease, if it's a lack of health, it's under the curse. Yeah. So sin came in and with sin came the curse. 
With sin came death. With sin came lack. Think about this. What problem do you have that's really just a lack? It's a lack of something. Any problem that we have is generally a lack of something. Fear, it's a lack of faith and trust in God. It's generally a lack. There was no lack in this earth before sin. Everything they needed, they had. It was simply that the devil basically talked uh, Eve into believing that she didn't have everything she had. It's just like with sickness. He talked them into believing that they didn't have the healing that Jesus has already paid for. See, we want to get on to Adam and Eve, but so many times I've found that we are guilty of the exact same thing. And so let's back up, let's humble ourselves and say, hmm, let me take an honest look at myself. We're looking more at what we, we're looking at what we say we don't have instead of looking at what we have, instead of looking at the promises of God. But the sin that came in produced a lack of the presence of God. And that produced the curse. And that curse brought sickness and that sickness uh, brought death. The wages of sin, ultimately, it is death. So when we're believing God for healing, we're not really attacking the sickness as much as we are attacking the curse and we're attacking the sin issue. But what if sin never opened up the curse? What if sin wasn't present? What if sin is removed? Then everything changes. Without sin, there's no curse. Without without sin, there's no lack. Without sin, there's no death. What happens? So I want you to see this. Chris, will you come here? Congratulations. You'll be better in a minute. So this cloak of sin, we were operating without any problem. We were operating without any problem. No lack. No problems. Everything provided for. And then Adam and Eve fell into sin. And when they did, they put on basically a garment of sin. Go ahead and fix it up there. Whoa. <laughs> Understand that when we put on the garment of sin, always attached to it, hanging on its back, is the curse. The curse is there. And what is the curse? It's simply lack. It's lack of whatever it is that we really need. But it's only on sin that the curse hangs. So if, if we see this, all of a sudden, here's what happens. On the garment of sin, we can hang lack. And now whatever it is that we have need of, be it finances, be it health, be it whatever, lack hangs on the garment of sin. The curse is always present on the garment of sin. 
You know, uh, here's this. Disease is simply a lack of ease. This ease. Turn this way a little bit. There you go. It's simply a lack of ease. That's all it is. But it hangs on the garment of sin. Sin, sickness, disease, lack, it all hangs on sin. Psalms 103, verse 10. Hold there for a second, please. Psalms 103, 10 through 12 says this. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your sins. Acts 3, 19. He doesn't say that he just knocks them out. He says, I won't remember them. You have to understand this. Many times we're under pressure for all the sin stuff we did before. That's the condemnation. But in Romans it says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I feel like so many times if we could hear uh, God speak to us back directly, if he chose to speak at such foolishness, we would go to God and say, God, you remember when I did this? And he's like, what are you talking about? No, I don't remember it because Jesus wiped it out. Once you brought that to me and you confessed it, it does not exist anymore. Once you handed that over to me by the blood of Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. Because he not only removed our sin, but he forgot it. I see so many times where people will say, you've you got to follow the pattern of God if we humble ourselves to God. He says this, uh, people will say this, they'll say, well, I forgive them, but I don't forget it. Well, that's not forgiveness. Because true forgiveness is in the pattern of God, and He forgives and forgets. Yeah. That's not saying that you're unwise with people. You're wise because they have a fruit in their life and you be wise, but your leading comes from the Holy Spirit, not from somebody's past. Amen. Your leading comes from God in that moment, not from what some, somebody did. You've got to move to that place where you forgive and forget. See, that's a worldly thought that says that, and it sounds logical, but it's not godly. Yeah. He says, I not only forgive, but I forget it too. Amen. 
Acts 3.19. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Not just left and hanging out to be a reminder every now and then. Your sins are not designed to hang out and remind you every now and then that you're just a broken person. You're supposed to remember that anyway. You're supposed to think about that anyway. Look, I'm carrying a flesh of corruption. I recognize it. I have not arrived. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I still have a broken flesh. And the truth be told, this thing tries to rise up and get me to do the wrong things every now and then. But I recognize that. And I'm not falling for it because Jesus by His blood has paid the price for me to be free of sin and death. And if I will simply confess those things he will wipe it out and times of refreshing will come 1 John 1 7 1 John 1 7 but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. His blood cleanses us. So every transgression is removed. Every sin is wiped away. When we confess Jesus as Lord and we confess those issues to Him, everything is wiped away. And sin becomes a non-issue in our life. Not only that, but then when you do that, there's no more place for these things to hang on. The devil can try to come. And he can try to hang disease. He can try to hang disease on. But there's not a cloak or a garment of sin. And it should fall to the floor. But there's two things that happen. Sometimes he'll try to hang lack. Or hang disease on. He'll try to bring these things up in our lives. And here's what we'll do. We'll remember that sin that we just walked in, that we didn't confess. Because there's little things, you know, you know, our flesh still likes to do and sometimes we give in to that. And then the devil, he loves tempting us with those things and if we fall into his trap, then he's got something to hang it on. Or we don't know that the thing that he hangs these things on is sin and so he says, hey, here, come, let me bring some sickness. Let me bring some lack into your life. And so what we do by our own design is we grab it ourselves and hold, it on, hold on to it. Go ahead. Although there's no cloak of sin that's left remaining. This is, this is a lack of knowledge where we hang on to things that are not ours any longer. This is a lack of understanding of what Jesus has actually done. This is actually us going, all right, we're going we're gonna to partner up with the devil instead of partnering up with the Word of God. See, when he removes sin, he removes sickness. He removed lack. It has no part with us. 
Sickness has, if you are a believer in Christ, sickness has no part with you. So when he tries to bring the symptoms into your life and say, hey, here's a runny nose. Hey, here's some allergies. You got to say, no, I have no part with that. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus and by his blood. Every sin is removed. You've got nothing to hang it on. Nothing. There's nothing, no sin to hang it on me. When you try to bring that, all of a sudden, it's like water off of a duck's back. It just doesn't work anymore. And see, the washing of the water of the word will help you do just that. The more you get in this word and renew your mind to who you are in Christ and what he's paid for, the less he will have to hang on you. Because you just won't accept it. It's illegal. Do you see that without the garment of sin, it is completely illegal for the devil to try to hang any part of the curse on him? When he does not have the garment of sin, would it would the curse even be there if sin would not have been in been there in the first place? No. So now all of a sudden we're supposed to accept the curse for no reason? No. Can you see the deception the devil has gotten into our thinking? And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Oh, so the devil's just going to be like a bully. No, you're hanging on to this. No, you're hanging on to sickness. No, this is your, this is your lack. This is your curse. Wait a minute. Oh, time out. (laughs) I'm a child of most high God. I am made in his image and his likeness. You're being a jerk bully. That don't go around here, law dog. No, no, that doesn't work here. No. You're trying, you're trying to bring in something that I have nothing for you to hang it on. It doesn't work like that. It works because Jesus wiped out the garment of sin. I have no part with sin. I have no part with sickness. All I got to do is just walk in the holiness of God. All I've got to do, if I do mess up, turn to the Lord, confess it, change my heart, and all of a sudden the blood of Jesus is applied and the devil has nothing to hang on you. So what he does is he just brings a sniffle. He'll bring a sniffle in. (laughs) And because we don't know any better, it goes like this. Oh, I must be getting those spring allergies. What spring allergies? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? There's none left for you to have if you are a child of God. There's nothing there. Now, it's not that he doesn't try, and it's not that you don't live in a corrupted world, but you are in this world, but you are not of this world. You are seated with him in heavenly places, cleaned by the blood of the Lamb. There's no garment of sin left for you if you've confessed it. There's nothing for sickness and lack and the curse to hang on. And when we get to that place, oh, I hope, I hope that some righteous indignation rises up on the inside of you. And you start putting the devil in his place. No, you can't have this. I am clean by the blood of the lamb. I am washed 
free of sin and sickness has no place in me. When sin is removed, we are redeemed from the curse. Doesn't Galatians 3.13 say that you are redeemed from the curse of the law? It does. You are redeemed from the curse. Well, if you are redeemed from the curse, what part do you have with the curse left? The only thing, if you accept the curse, then you're saying that the blood of Jesus did not do everything that God said it did. You're taking more part with the lies of the devil than you are taking part with the truth of God. And yet, we allow these things to happen instead of taking a stand against them. Have I gotten it all right since I've had revelation of this? No, I haven't. But I'm still going after him. I'm still trying. You may miss it. You may, you may come up to that point, but at least try to make a stand. At least keep going that direction and trust that it's not God that's missing it. It's not God who's holding it back when he could actually bless you. The word even says he is not withholding any good thing. From his righteous people. Amen. He's not withholding anything. So which do we believe? Do we believe the symptoms, the wind and the waves? Or do we believe the truth of God? You got these scriptures on, on here. It says in James chapter 5. It, it says this is when. If there are any among you suffering. Then he must pray. 513. Is there anyone cheerful? You sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. What I want you to see is sin and sickness are always dispatched together. They're always dispatched because, why? Because when you remove sin... Sickness has no place. And many people will believe that we don't have sin and we're going to heaven, but they don't believe that about sickness because there hasn't been enough teaching and preaching on it and enough people humbling themselves to the word. But he says, look, the one who's sick, you pray for him, they'll be restored. And if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Both things handled in one verse. Sin and sickness. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Sin, confess your sins, you'll be healed. Why? Because this is true. When you get rid of this problem, you get rid of the sickness problem. Confess your sins that you may be healed. Confess your sins that you may be healed. Luke chapter 5. Verse 19 through 26, you remember when the guy's lowered down through the roof? He's sitting there preaching. He's lowered down through the roof. And, and uh, he says, son, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees are like, oh. <laughs> spirit of religion, you know. Oh, my gosh, you can't say your sins are forgiven you. Verse 21, scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your heart? Hey, which is easier, to say your sins have been forgiven you or get up and walk? 
But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins, look at what he's pairing together. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God and they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. (laughs) Honey, what happened today? You wouldn't believe it. (laughs) Jesus done gone and said, your sins are forgiven. And putting him in place with God. And the Pharisees were like, (laughs) ha, no, blasphemy, heretic. And then all of a sudden, Jesus said, oh, you think that's something? He said, so you'll know that I got power to forgive sin. He told that dude, get up. And the guy said, okay, and got up and went. He went up healed and whole. Both sickness and disease were removed and sin. They go together. They're removed together. Romans 5, 15 through 17 in the New Living. There was a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. With sin came death. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. As a result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. And even though we are guilty of many sins... For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph. In other words, it means they will reign in life over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. They will reign over what? Sin and death. They will reign over sin and sickness. They will reign over sin and the curse. They will reign over sin and lack. They go hand in hand. When one goes, they both go. Sin and sickness. There's nothing when you have dealt with sin in your heart and the garment of sin is removed, there's nothing for lack and the curse and sickness to hang itself on anymore. They go together. They go together. Now, I don't know about you, but you might not have been in that place yet. Or maybe you're walking with something and the reason uh, that you keep having trouble is because you keep going back to the places of sin. But if you will learn how to draw on the grace of God in those moments and take strength on, you can step out of that cycle because he's given you the victory over that sin. And you can put sin down. Right? You can submit the flesh and its corrupted ways and its sinful ways. You can submit it. I still got a corrupted body that I'm working and walking in, but I don't have to live by this. Because the grace of God in me has given me the power to tell this body, no, I'm not living that way. And when I do that, I take off that garment of, of sin. And when I take off that garment of sin, when I receive Jesus as Lord and I walk that way, sickness has no 
no place to hang itself on. Curse has no place to hang itself on. Lack has no place. So now you start to see that when we are redeemed from the curse, and you hear me say, that sickness is illegal to be in your body. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the devil has brought about a deception and we have fallen for it for the most part. But the end of that is today. It's not happening anymore. Is there anybody with me? Say amen. It's not happening with me anymore. I'm going to stand for the things of God. I'm going to stand for it. So now today, I just quickly, if you want prayer For that healing, the word says, is there any sick among you? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil. And the prayer, the fervent prayer, it accomplishes much. And that sin and sickness will be removed. Lord, we just call for it right now. Just bow your head for a second. If right now, today, what you're... What you're saying is this. Brian, I hear what you're saying. I even agree with you. But I don't feel clean. I need help removing that garment of sin. I need to step it up. Or maybe you're saying, I hear what you're saying, but I've never known Jesus like that. But today... I want to know him. I want to be free from that sin. I want to be free from that curse. I want to be free from sickness. I want to be free from lack. I need somebody to save me. I need a savior. If that's you right now and you're saying, I want to make that step. I want, I want a savior. I want somebody who will empower me. I want to walk with somebody who's got this thing licked. Who's got it beat. And I want to never turn back. If that's you... And I just ask you right now to raise your hand and just hold it high. And it it may be, just keep on raising it. It may be that you're going, you know what? I know Jesus, but I don't feel like my relationship's where it needs to be. I need to take it up a notch. And that's okay. I think everybody in here has had that happen at one point. The question is, are you going to stay that way? Are you going to just reach out for his hand? Remember when Peter, he even got out of the boat, but when he started to fall... He cried for Jesus. And you're saying, I'm crying for you. Everything might not be horrible, but I know I need you. I humble myself enough to say, I need you, Lord. I can't do this without you, that's for sure. If that's you, just raise your hand. I need to take my relationship up a notch. Maybe something bad has happened in your life and you had it right and it just went wrong. But I need things fixed. I need some hope again. I need the hope of the Lord to come into my life. Just raise your hand right now. I need help. And everybody that's raised it, hold it up so I can see it right now. I see all of those. Keep them up for a second. There you go. Lord, we see those. We need that relationship right. And I just want everybody to pray this with me. Just say, Father, right now. I need to remove that garment of sin forever. And I do that through relationship with Jesus. So right now, I enter that relationship. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You're the director. You call the shots. 
and I'm obedient. And I believe that you took my garment of sin and you put it on you on the cross. And that sin brought about death and took you to the grave. And I believe that God brought you back to life. And He raised you up from that death. And when He raised you, He raised me. Now, Father, right now, you're the, you are the Lord of my life. Jesus, you're my Savior. Holy Spirit, help me. Fill me. Overflow me. Empower me to be your witness. Empower me to keep that garment of sin off. Empower me to submit my flesh. And walk like I need to walk. In Jesus' name. Amen.